Hello, and welcome to the Joshua Greeny Podcast. Today, we have a guest on by the name of Tim. He is a, a good friend of mine. Over the past couple of years, we've known each other and stayed in contact, I think in part due to the fact that we both enjoy wrestling with uh, deeper questions and just just thinking on a deeper level than a lot of other people might. And so he's a person I had asked in the past to be, be interested in joining the podcast to, to try and talk through some of the ideas that he's had and questions he wrestles with. So, Tim, thank you for joining us uh, for this podcast. Hey, Josh. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. Was there anything uh, you want to... It's all, yep, go ahead. I was all like nude, you know, and everything. So, uh, it's nice to be here uh, in the, at the start of it, you know, uh, see where it goes with it, you know, and uh, if it's something that uh, God blesses, you know, you'll you'll go a long way with it, so... Yeah, uh, well, you'll be right at you. you'll be right at the beginning, very first uh, guest. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything you want to mention as just kind of an introduction to who you are and and what's made you the inquisitive person that you are? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I'm just uh, I don't know. I kind of consider myself a pretty ordinary guy, uh, but I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I just have a lot of free time to think uh, of my job and everything. Uh, gives me a lot of alone time and uh and so i just kind of i'll find things to ponder over you know and just keep spinning in my head for for uh you know extended period of time turning over all the different things i've heard about it you know uh and so sometimes i come up with some interesting or to my way of thinking interesting uh um outlooks on on topics that are you know pretty maybe even ones that are very hashed out already and i try to I try to think out everything that I hear about them and then come up with a new angle that maybe people haven't heard about because there usually is one out there. Uh, it just takes a little bit of thinking to find it. So, uh, that's probably what I was, you know, the questions I mentioned to you there. Uh, I, I know some of them are things that people would be pretty definite about. They've already got a, you know, a plan or a mindset of where, you know, what the answer is to them. And I don't know. I just, I think I might have, perhaps a new take, you know, something people haven't heard before, uh, that I think would be of interest to them, you know, if I had a conversation with them about it. So it's kind of what I'm here for. Well, and one, one thing I can say in general is I think also, well, number one, asking questions like the kinds of questions that you ask and ones we've discussed in, in our own conversations in the past, there there is also yeah. a, a sense of where it does build or kind of breeds a, a, a level of patience because you have to, uh, well, and I'd like to say humility too because of the fact that you're taking ideas that, that might, you know, might even in a, in a sense be yours where you're like, ooh, this is my idea, I came up with it. But then you're putting that, you know, you're, you're kind of putting that to the test and saying, well, is this true? Or maybe, I, maybe I'm not seeing it from the, the right angle or maybe there's another mm-hmm. way to look at it or maybe it's missing some pieces. So it's like it takes some yeah. it takes some patience and humility, and so you know even if you're a very humble person, sometimes you might not be you know at, might not have the patience or interest. I think that's another aspect to it. I think you know not a lot of people or not everybody you know has the same interest in taking a you know mm-hmm. uh, some what do you call it? Uh, it's an abstract Trending. idea and just thinking it through, you know, it's really hard to do. And for some people, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's, 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 especially on topics that are not so black and white. Uh, 
you know, like if someone tries to tries to argue there's a third option to murder, is it good or bad? You know, I, I'm I'm gonna offhand just ignore that because I know that something like that, an answer a question like that, is there's no um, there's no middle ground. You know, it's it's either it's, it's good or it's bad, and you can't say uh, something like you know self defense is of course a different you know it's a subcategory. It's not really anything to do with murder. That's you know it's already justified under the law, uh, and so it's not the same thing. But some people think it is, but like on a, on a topic like that, I don't really you know mess with it too much because I don't believe there's any way to come up with a third way of looking at it. Uh, but when there's when there's other things that can have multiple views or multiple understandings, uh, <clears throat> I try to I try not to formulate a, a quick opinion about them. So if I'm exposed to some new idea from from someone or something I read online or whatever, uh, I'll try to mentally file it away uh, as something I, I say. Well, that's the first thing I've heard about it, you know, uh, and so I'm just going to keep that information in my head. And then I'll, I'll kind of reference it later if I, if that topic comes up again, you know. So mm-hmm. next week I see it again somewhere else in a book I'm reading or I'm watching a movie and I hear that same phrase I just read last week. And now I put those two things together and I say, okay, so, you know, this person was pro that phrase, whatever it was, you know. And now I just saw it in a movie. They were disparaging the very same things. And I put those two together and I try to think, how do they connect? And I'm like, well, in the movie – they were talking about it in the context of this or, you know, you kind of start to form a picture, uh, well, kind of a puzzle picture, I guess, because you're putting the different pieces together and then you just keep doing that, you know, over time. Uh, so then when I'm ruminating on something, you know, at, at my work, uh, as I'm delivering mail or something, you know, I'm sitting there and I'll, I'll, I'll come up with one of those topics and I'll start to put together different things, uh, in my head, you know, adding different, uh, components, and if, you know, anytime I hear something new, I just add that to the mix. And, and I try to figure out the different views on something, the different sides to this, to the, to the conversation that people can take. Uh, and then I, I look at it, I see if there's, you know, something new that you can formulate based on those different ideas. And, and, and you know, I, I, I think I can do that sometimes where I'll, I'll recognize the different stances people are taking. And then for some reason, like I'll just, it's like, it'll be a, I guess, you know, the, the, you know, kind of a metaphorical light bulb moment mm-hmm. where you'll look at those, uh, you'll look at the two camps or three camps and you'll kind of realize where one of them is, is missing the other. Like they, they've got an idea about who, what the other person thinks and you realize, well, but they're flawed because of ABC, you know, and they don't really recognize their opponent's stance and that's where they're, they're off. And it, you know, it just kind of becomes clear that way. And I don't, I don't really know exactly how it works, but this, like, it's all in my head that way. That's that's kind of what I'm doing. So yeah, it's like a mental uh, game of chess in some ways, where you're, you're yeah, not and, only are you looking at your own moves, but you're looking at potential moves that your opponent could make, uh-huh. and then analyzing whether that would be a good move from their vantage point <laughs> as opposed to other things. Yeah, and, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's you know. Um, like say with you know with the, with the just the four questions I mentioned there, uh, I've I've put together in my head different uh, different uh, portions to those questions. You know different things I've heard in the the culture or friends or family or whatever, and I try to you know form a uh, kind of a, a picture, and then I, I, I look for uh, what else I can add to that. You know what I can uh, do because I you know especially I mean with my blog and everything, I, I haven't been 
I haven't wanted to really write something that's basically a re- reiteration of someone else's words. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to just, just say, okay, well, you know, like, I'm okay, I'm okay with quoting the Bible, of course, but beyond that, I don't want to just have another thought that someone else had, you know, uh, I would like to bring something new that makes people think about maybe an old topic in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not always easy, but, uh, you know, it's for the, for the topics that, um, or on my mind it is, you know, um, uh, because they're the ones I focus on the most, of course, you know, um, in that way. So, uh, trying to think what, I think the first question I've mentioned in the list was, uh, about, um, victim blaming, right? Yes. Yeah. So the way it was written down, I'll just read that one. Uh, but it's, uh, you'd put, what is the biblical response to the secular concept of victim blaming? So yeah. before before jumping into to that question, so where did how did you formulate that question? Was that something you had heard, or you were just wrestling with? Like, what's the the background to that? Well, that was I I came up with you know saying it that way just because I know that the concept comes of course from the world. It's not really something that I've seen. Uh, it's not like a you know it came from a church that I heard about it first. I heard about it mm-hmm. first in the world. Uh, secular media, stuff like that. It's a term that they came up with. Um, and, uh, it's, it's something that, um, knowing that it's secular, you know, I, I've, I've been suspicious of it, not really thinking it was a biblical thing. Uh, but then, uh, I've, I've, I wanted to know the biblical response because to me, there seems to be kind of a lack in that area, uh, of, of a proper response from that I've seen from, you know, churches or, uh, you know, leading pastoral figures or anything that haven't really addressed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I'm curious, you know, I don't, it would be something I would love to discuss in a wider group or whatever, you know, that's why I brought it to you. Cause I know we both like to think about this kind of stuff. And it's just, um, I know that it's, that it's a kind of a bigger deal and it's been embraced by some, by some Christians, uh, some, uh, and they, they get into it, but I believe they're still mistaken because it's, there, there's something more there. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I, so I think it's oh, go ahead. Go just ahead. broadly, I think it's an issue between uh, taking personal responsibility and and literally like not, you know, just kind of passing it off on someone else. Uh, but there might be more to it than that. That's just how, how it looks broadly, you know, at first glance. So, well, and so uh, the, I think the first part of that is the definition of whatever you know the terms, uh, the term victim blaming, you know, would be. Because off the top of my head, I can think of like, uh, you know, so for example, if, if you're, you know, if you live in like a sketchy neighborhood or, um, and, and, well, let's just run with that. So you live in a sketchy neighborhood, your car's parked outside, and you leave something valuable in the car in plain sight of anybody walking by. So let, let's, you know, if, if that ends up stolen the next day and your window's broken, <laughs> somebody's punched through it or whatever. I could easily see somebody saying, "Hey, man, you shouldn't have left your stuff in the car. You know, you're just asking for it." Yeah. Like most people would probably be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." You know, if you're if you're, yeah. it'd, it'd be smarter to do that. I mean, technically, that could be considered victim blaming, but at the same time, nobody, as far as I can tell, nobody's going to react, you know, emotionally to that. Like, oh, how dare you blame me for the robbery that occurred? You know, <laughs> even though technically yeah. it could be uh, considered a you know victim blaming. Um, but in, I think the, maybe the example that I've heard that where where there's more of an emotional reaction would be something like, 
you know, if there was a woman who was, you know, uh, assaulted and she mm-hmm. was dressed immodestly or something like that, and you hear people, oh, well, she was just asking for it. It's like, okay, well, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's a little bit different. And um, I think that's where I've heard more of the victim blaming term, you know, come up just in my own yeah. you know, circles. Um, but yeah, that's where it's the most uh, is commonly used, you know, for, for that particular topic. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting thing because then that goes into like what you're talking about with you know some responsibility in which is involved but it's a that particular uh issue is very sticky <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you know it gets a lot of people yeah. riled up yeah and it to me like that's the that's why this term was originated you know, I don't know exactly where it came from I haven't done the research on that mm-hmm. uh but it yeah, I think it was it was a way for people to combat what they saw as a cultural problem of uh, saddling too much blame on people, putting too much responsibility on, you know, on one person because, um, you know, people want to, we, we want to naturally assume that one person is always the innocent victim and one person is always the aggressive, uh, you know, evil villain kind of thing. That's, that's what we always want to see. Mm-hmm. It's a lot simpler, you know, to imagine the world that way, but it's not always true. Uh, it just depends on you know the situation, but people like things simple, so they they categorize, and make boxes, and whatever. Um, and so as soon as they call someone a victim, that that's always meant, in, in, I think, in today's culture, to mean that the person is without fault. You know, there's just there's nothing they could have done uh, to to cause this. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I know in 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 certain tragic situations that's obviously true. Uh, there was a story a few years ago. Uh, of a traffic accident uh, that I heard about, um, which was you know so bizarre that you couldn't really call it anything other than the person who ended up perishing in it uh, called them anything less than a victim because uh, they they were driving on the interstate and a vehicle in the opposite um, in the opposite lane uh, going the, uh, the opposing direction. Ended up losing a wheel. I don't remember the circumstances of how that happened, but it, it came off of their car, bounced, you know, of course with their forward motion, it kept, you know, rolling, and it bounced across uh, over the the um, cement barrier between the the lanes, came up and uh, bounced again right up into the vehicle that this uh, young woman was driving, right to the front windshield and killed her instantly. Oh wow. Uh, wow! You know, in such a bizarre circumstance, you really wouldn't like you'd say. I mean, just probably odds of it happening just like that would were you know be very minute. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the the story got confused, you know, in, in the first reports because uh, when she was killed by this tire, uh, she, her vehicle didn't stop moving. She was still driving at a certain uh, speed, and I guess her foot never left the pedal, so her vehicle was still driving forward. Uh, thankfully, it was, on this, it was on a straight section of uh, highway, so there was no problem. But a trucker saw what happened and ended up he pulled in front of her and let her uh, hit into his truck so that he could stop her vehicle because she was still just driving even though she was already dead, mm. uh, or at least it was moving. Uh, so the, initially, people reported it as you know, she hit a truck, uh, but the story you know came out later. But like I say, I mean, there was something that was it was so so uh uncanny of a, of a coincidence like that that you couldn't 
say that, you know, she was at fault in any way. There was nothing she could have done to, to avoid that. You know, she, the, the, the odds of it bouncing over the, the cement barrier and then bouncing to, you know, into her vehicle like that, just, it's just, you know, pretty small. Uh, yeah, it so, almost sounds like something that you would see in like an action film <laughs> as like a setup. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, and and you think you know that can't happen, yeah. but it, but it did. So, hmm. uh, so yeah, you know, like like in that kind of a situation, I'd say there's no reason to blame her. You know, you don't say you know if she had been going faster or if she'd been going slower. You know, that it would have been her fault. Or whatever. I can't I can't blame that. You know, and I understand those kind of situations. And people say it's a tragic thing. She's a total victim, uh, but. Um, when it comes to like even this is the situation you suggested, uh, most people I do agree would would say that it was your fault your vehicle got broken into because you uh, you know you made the mistake of leaving something valuable uh, exposed in an area that was known for high crime or at least was just known for uh, for a criminal element you know being there mm-hmm. and you you made that choice so that's that's on you as much as you know the judge is still gonna punish that person for stealing from you, uh, you, you, in, in uh, a roundabout way, you, you offered a temptation because you left something noticeable in, in, in that way. Um, and to me, the only way that would be skewed differently than just seeing it as, you know, it's probably your fault is, uh, who it was. And if you start adding more political issues into the mix, you know, if, if it was a, a woman versus a man, people might be more inclined to be sympathetic to her and say, well, it's not really her fault. You know, uh, she didn't know any better. Uh, where a man, they would, they would probably throw the book at him and say, he's, he's stupid. Uh, then if you also throw in that she's a black woman or something, uh, or that the man who robbed the car was black, uh, people can be more, um, inclined to start making excuses for people or whatever, because we have, uh, certain groups and, you know, uh, minorities and things that, that are, are giving us some favor, of course, in our society, um, when it comes to these things. So they might explain away the personal responsibility of, you know, a black person getting robbed by saying that, uh, you know, that there's an institutional problem in that community that causes this to happen. It, it wasn't exactly their fault. You know, people just are, uh, there's, there's something that's missing that was caused by an external source that, you know, created that situation. It wasn't like their fault. They, they were just kind of, again, victims in the story and they, they did nothing wrong. So, yeah, um, yeah. But that requires adding those extra elements where, you know, if you just have the bare story that you told it, people, yeah, would just would naturally say it's your fault. You'd have to add other things. Um, kind of like in the situation of the, uh, the, the classic, uh, moral, question of whether you you rescue uh, a person or a dog in the water and people will try to add another element and say well you know what if the person's adolf hitler you know i shouldn't i shouldn't go for him and you say well that the question doesn't doesn't matter as far as the question goes it's just like would you rescue a human or an animal you know um so yeah, uh, yeah. Like I say, if you add something else you know then yeah it might change the circumstances but you know just basically it's still your fault for putting that valuable item in sight in your car. So, so, so I guess uh, if you were to try and put a, a pinpoint definition to, and, and I, maybe I should have mentioned, but in the in the written out form of the question you'd sent, you you did put in parentheses the victim blaming. You know that was the term that was 
you had the quotes mm-hmm. around it. So would that be, is that, uh, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is, how would that be defined? Are we going to define that? Like what would be the secular concept of that if we could put a, a generalized, you know, a, a generalized pinpointed definition? Like, <laughs> to my understanding or whatever, I guess, of it? Yeah, um, yeah, just so we can kind of mess with the, with the question a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, from what I understand, it's, it's a uh, basically the concept that people attach blame – to the victims in a story, uh, and most often, like in this in this situation, you uh, brought up uh, with regards to the, the the assault and usually the sexual assault of a woman or something, mm-hmm. and they attach blame to her that like that culture has has oftentimes um, shunned a woman or you know attached uh, too much shame on her for that happening, and that that because of that, women then didn't speak up, they didn't. Uh, they didn't report rape or whatever because they didn't want to uh, uh, deal with all that shame where people would just, you know, they would dismiss the actions of the man and just blame the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, basically the guy would be given a pat on the, on the wrist and, you know, and the woman would be shamed for life for, for letting this happen. Um, and, you know, I, I have to say that, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't read that much, um, I'll say like the, you know, I, I haven't read a book, you know, specifically on the history of sexual assault. So I can't, you know, answer as much for the past. Um, I've seen, of course, you know, the way things are portrayed in films, you know, the, of the past or, uh, you know, read some accounts in books or whatever, but not, not that much to know, uh, specifically. Uh, but it, from, you know, what I understand of their definition, there, there's a few things that come to mind and just kind of, my curiosity about whether it's um, whether that that kind of a viewpoint is valid, just because mm-hmm. for one, I don't know if I don't know that historically people who committed assault were uh, just you know let let go, uh, yeah. Or, yeah, or or let off mildly. From what I've understood, it was you know it was a, it's always been a, a pretty big deal in cultures, uh, you know, to to uh, mistreat women. Um, now, of course, everything's different if it's a, if it's a war going on. Uh, usually, it's stuff like that is over, 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 overlooked. But in like to stay in peacetime, uh, from what I've understood, you know, just some you know famous accounts I've heard, uh, it wasn't like the culture just kind of shrugged it off if they heard something like that. Like it was a big deal uh, mm-hmm. in the community or whatever if, if they heard that. So I don't know if their their I, if their viewpoint of the past it's actually accurate in the first place to establish the the precedent for why we should now no longer blame victims. Um, yeah. So there's some presuppositional, there's some presuppositional objections that, that might need to be mm-hmm. had to that, which would be, you know, kind of tying into the historical, like, okay, is this actual, is this historical yeah. trend that they're trying to either fabricate or point out, whichever it would be. Yeah. And I would, again, just to come out and, uh, uh, for the sake of anybody who listens to the podcast, I would definitely tend toward being skeptical of, you know, really, is this really a trend that's happened? You know, again, not saying that there haven't been cases, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, but anyway, you know, but yes. <laughs> so in other words, yeah. at the very least, you would have to, to be, uh, there, there's, how would I say it? There's a legitimate reason to, to be skeptical, uh, to that level, to where you're questioning just the, the yeah. introductory presuppositional 
you know, positions on that <laughs> for with regard to the yeah. history of it. Well, and, and especially like, I, like I'm not inclined, uh, you know, some, some might assume just because I'm skeptical that I'm already fitting the, the definition of what we're talking about, that I'm already, you know, at odds with women to the point that I, I just automatically assume that even the pat that people who are bringing this up today are liars and, and, and that therefore, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm fitting the mold of exactly what this whole movement is against. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the reason why I take that stance is not because a woman told me or because, you know, uh, I'm somehow, in, you know, in support of sexual assault, which I obviously am not. Yeah. And, yeah. Let, that let, to be very sinful. I, I, uh, we should make that very clear. Neither of us are in support of sexual assault of any kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but it's, but when I know where it's coming from, like, like the sources of, of where this movement is coming from, um, it tends to be, uh, from very secular people. And, uh, and a lot of it is sometimes politically motivated. I think that's a big mm -hmm. thing that made it frustrating to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and I also know that, that, you know, secular people in general today are moral relativists. And because Mm -hmm. of that, I, I have to automatically question them because if they don't believe in absolute truth, then they're, they're more prone to lying. It doesn't mean that you always lie or that, uh, that people who believe in absolute truth don't lie, but it, it does at least, uh, lend, it, it gives them credit, uh, a credible reason to lie because they don't believe there's any absolute truth anyway. So yeah. lies are more justifiable in their worldview. Um, so I have to start with that premise, knowing where they're coming from, uh, that there's a potential that there is untruth mixed in here because that wouldn't be a problem if they believe that that furthering an agenda is more important than the truth. Uh, and I think probably one of the, the best examples of that, uh, as uh, to uh, paraphrase um, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, when she said uh, that sometimes it's better to be morally – I can get it right. Uh, it's better to be morally, uh, morally right instead of factually correct, or something like that. That, and, that sounds like something uh, she would say. <laughs> yeah, and, and it uh, it was kind of a you know remembered quote from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But that's that's very important because uh, to me, you can't separate those. And yeah, she's trying to drive a wedge between them. Yeah. Uh, and so if if you're, uh, I don't, you know, it sounds it sounds good because people think of morals is better than facts. But truth, it goes along with morality, and the fact is always true. And so you just can't, you can't separate those. You can't take them apart. They, they're, they're conjoined twins. <laughs> uh, and, you know, one has to die if the other one is going to be separated from it. So, um, so they, they're going to stay that way, stay together. And it, I think that's what people do with victim blaming potentially, that, that if that's your mindset, you know, that, that you can, to further an agenda, it's better to be morally right, which, you know, in a moral relativist way of saying that is, is not being absolutely morally right. It's just being culturally morally right. Uh, then it, they might be willing to further, you know, an idea say that, you know, women are assaulted a lot and, and, and we need to address that. Uh, and they want to further that, that agenda. Uh, but they might be basing it on either, uh, uh, factually, incorrect data or just outright lies or whatever, you know, there's something wrong. So, yeah. And, uh, and one thing else that just popped in my head too is 
you know, with within our Western culture, at least American culture, there's also um, the whole idea of being able to, well, just in general, sometimes monetize you know, uh, victimhoods of various kinds, where you can you know, start an entire movement of you know if you've been victimized in this way, and then you know. Uh, just to find that however you would like and then start a movement on it and then try and get, you know, uh, donations or whatever. Like there's also an incentive and maybe not even donations. It could just be that you now become a, you know, public figure to some extent and have, you know, Mm -hmm. drive some traffic to your Instagram or your YouTube channel or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with, with the way that, you know, ads and things like that work, like now you're, you're making bank all because you got popular over being victimized, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. (laughs) So there's also that that's, that's mixed in too. Yeah. Well, because it's, uh, you know, I think some of that is because of just where we are, uh, as a culture, you know, with, uh, you know, we have the most lawyers in our nation, you know, uh, per capita than I think any other one in the world. And because of that, you know, there's always a lawsuit to be filed because someone, you know, uh, there's a grievance against someone and you're the victim and now you get something out of it. Uh, we're very good at that kind of stuff. It's, it's our, it's been bred into us now for, you know, so many generations that people are, we recognize that, that playing the victim is very, you know, monetarily, uh, satisfying. <laughs> uh, you know, it, uh, there was a time when, you know, maybe in culture would have looked down on someone, you know, bringing that in, uh, to the past, uh, where I think, you know, culture would have been frowned more upon people who, who, uh, played the victim or, or, or were a victim because it was considered more weak because you had to press through. And, but, um, you know, tying that into what we're talking about, I think, just my thoughts on it is that part of it was that life was hard back then. And there really wasn't a lot of comfort, uh, that you could drive normally. And so, you know, people who didn't live hard or live a, a rugged life, uh, were, were, you know, uh, not going to make it most of the time. You had to just kind of be tough, you know, because you just, you dealt with things, uh, you know, as like people would interpret today, say, looking at historical photographs, the way people are very stoic. Uh, they say, well, all those people didn't have any emotions back then. They didn't care about anything. Uh, and I think that would be a disservice because I, I believe they, they were just as fond of each other or just as uh, heartbroken over losses as anyone else. But when you dealt with, say, especially with like, you know, death, uh, when you dealt with losses all the time and you had uh, the potential of, you know, kids dying before they were three years old uh, all the time, that was a very common, you know, occurrence. Uh, it wasn't that you, it wasn't that you got hardened or anything towards it. I'm sure you were still were just as sad about that as someone who lost a two-year-old, you know, yesterday. But you didn't have, uh, you didn't have the time to to cry about it, you know. And it, it was more common, so you got, you kind of got used to it, you know. It was the thing you lived with, uh, but it was still, it was heartbreaking. It just was, um, you, you kind of accepted it as part of life. Where yeah. today we see it as a a violation, you know, of, of, uh, of our way of life. Like how does that happen? Uh, yeah, we're shocked, you know, that's, that's what a, we call ourselves a victim, you know, that's a good way of putting it. I like that. It's like a violation. It's going up. You, you just, you just destroyed my little perfect world that I was creating over here. How dare you? <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, but that's, but that our mindset has been built that way because of all the comforts we now live with, where we just have a very comfortable life. And uh, we have more time even to just hash out things that people in the past may have wanted to talk about, 
but you either didn't have the the people to talk to because your neighbor was five miles away, uh, or you you just didn't have every Saturday to sit around and you know and talk about big problems, uh, or maybe you just didn't even have the education or the exposure to information, you know. So you might have formulated your little opinion in your little backyard, but you either never shared it, or if you did, you shared it with your local friends and neighbors, and it just didn't go very far. Uh, but today we have, of course, you know, all kinds of ways to share our ignorant or educated opinions. And then we also have all the free time to spend on things, you know, thinking about them and talking about them so that, uh, so that we can uh, become much more um, attuned with, with a, with a uh, topic. And uh, then I think we, because of that, we unfairly judge the past and past figures for, you know, maybe not addressing things that were taking place, you know, and again, I guess what I'm saying all this in the context of, victim blaming you know where uh where you know like people do deal very harshly with the past and that's the, the historic evidence they point to for why this is so you know necessary today yeah um, it, th- that's a good point it's like they import the whole culture that we have the you know the very you know cushy lifestyle and everything you know that comes which mm-hmm. not necessarily saying that's a bad thing but or uh, that's a bad thing that we have, you know, a comfortable lifestyle, but they'll take that and they'll just import that and the whole, you know, cultural mindset, let's say at large, and then import that yeah. back to, you know, the past a hundred years ago or whatever, and then try and judge it by those standards. It's like there, there's so much that was different. And I do think that uh, just the, the ability to, to um, what's the word I'm looking for? to take ideas and just send them everywhere. It's like everything in one sense or another can, has the potential to go viral just if, an, if, it, mm-hmm. you know, if it's big enough or whatever. I mean, you can have ideas just, just get sent to the opposite side of the world and they're, are translated or whatever. So you have, yeah. you have all of this information about stuff that doesn't directly affect your life. And, I mean, mm-hmm. even, even in one sense, just as a quick side note, like trying to come up with you know, a topic and then trying to discuss it just by myself, um, you know, in like a podcast format, I almost don't know where to begin because I don't know, you know, what's the, you know, the possible person that could be listening and what kind of questions could they have in their mind. So it's like, it's like I'm trying to speak to everybody. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's not just a, you know, me on podcast. I think people who are trying to write um, you know, articles or whatever, you might run into the same thing. It's like the audience is bigger and and broader, and so you know if you are living in a in a culture where you don't have access to people you know, on the other side of the world who are you know reading your ideas or thinking about them or whatever, then your audience is limited, and it might just be hey you know in the town that I live in you know there's Joe over there the butcher there's this person here. And so when you're thinking of your ideas or whatever they are, or trying to make a judgment call, you're thinking of it within the context of these you know, 50 people that you live alongside and how it's going to affect them. And that's all that you really care about. You know? So I think there's yeah. something – and you know, maybe that's a crude example, but that's kind of – that's something I've been thinking on. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely because, uh, you know, I mean, if I was – like, you know, with my blog, if I was writing – uh, which I am right now, you know, I think of when I, when I write something out, I think about just basically, you know, talking to the people I'm friends with on Facebook uh, and the occasional person who might see my, my page or something. Uh, but overall, I think I'm just writing to that handful of people. 
So I imagine like what they would, what they might respond. Uh, and I, and I wait and, you know, see if they'll say something. Uh, but I, but if I knew that I was writing to something that, you know, 45 million people around the world were potentially going to read, it would be a little more overwhelming if I was trying to think of how to address all the potentials of something, you know, and part of that is just my perfectionism and probably yours too, or, uh, whatever with it, where you, you can, you can get bogged, bogged down in trying to answer all the different ideas. Uh, but I do also have just some, some of that is also just in the enjoyment of that challenge of trying to answer all the different potentials because, you know, I want to make sure that if I, if I'm, uh, grounded in a certain idea that especially has many facets like victim blaming does, uh, that I, I want to make sure that that whatever I say and what I believe about it uh, is um, correct from all angles. That you know that that's you know that it's not uh, going to be um, there won't be a challenge to it that I would have to then I rethink everything. You know, I, I like to be right, uh, you know, the first time if possible. Uh, if I'm going to speak about it, you know, I mean, I don't mind say like you know in in conversation with you here because I'm just hashing out my my more um, unpolished ideas about it. But if I was trying to, you know, give a lecture or something, I would really want to make sure I knew that I knew what I was saying when I get to that point, because it's going to be something that's very, uh, you know, I'll have to answer for a lot more, you know? Um, so and uh, yeah, it, I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. And it, it definitely, like it does help, I guess. And, and, you know, one of the positives is it kind of helps you distill your ideas down to principles. Because if you have a solid mm-hmm. principle, then it is applicable. You know, and if it's a if it's a true principle, you know, not not a fake one, then it will yeah. you know, stand the test of whatever the scenario is. So, so okay, so I think uh, I can tie this back in. So for the question of what's the biblical response to this idea of, of victim blame of victim blaming. Um, I, I think what we're looking for then is something that was mentioned earlier about you know, taking. It, maybe it comes down to um, you know what's what's the responsibility or the appropriate level of responsibility that should be um, you know placed on on whoever the persons are that are involved or the culture at large. You know, so so for example, like if if so, let's say there's a person who's walking down you know in a neighborhood. And they go down a dark alley, and they get beaten up and robbed and left for dead, you know, something like that. Or you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's there's a ton of different responses. One could be like, you know, bro, why are you living in that neighborhood? You know, and that would just be in the in a bigger, you know, broader sense. Another one could be, you know, why are you walking through the neighborhood at night? You know, another one could be, yeah. hey, if you're going to walk through the neighborhood at night, why are you going down that alley? Like, don't go down that alley. Mm-hmm. You know, another one could be. Look, you should have taken you know, some you know, taken a a, you know, a weapon with you, or learned some martial arts, or you know, there's there's so many different ways you could say it, um, and different. And and again, in that case, you could maybe make the case that all of that is victim blaming, but well, yeah. you know, it, it's not your fault that you got beaten up. But there is a sense in where where it's like if you're smart, you're not going to do this. And the reason I use that example because that's a little bit easier to. You know, it's not as sticky as saying because you know, I've had I've had conversations with people in the past where I'm like, you know, you know, I, I understand, you know, I understand the objection, uh, you know, because I've heard I've heard people that are more of a of a secular or let's say liberal maybe mindset who have tried mm-hmm. to make the argument argument of, 
look, you know, a, a woman shouldn't have to feel afraid walking down the street, you know, at night or something like that by herself. Yeah. And there's a sense in which I'm like, you know, from a Christian worldview, I'm like, yeah, I agree, but we live in a fallen world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, start if, there. And if you know that there are people, like, I guess there's a sense where it's like, if I know personally that I'm going to be putting my life at risk uh, by going in a certain, you're walking in a certain area or walking somewhere at a certain, you know, time of, of night or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So if I know that and I say, well, you know, how that, yeah. You know that we need to change our culture because I should be able to do this without getting hurt, and so I'm going to go out and do it anyway, and just assume that, like that doesn't, it just doesn't work. At the end of the day, you know, I don't yeah. want to get shot, <laughs> or at yeah. the end of the night, well, rather. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, it, you know, I mean, it, I would, I would be willing to agree with that too. That yeah, you know, certain things we shouldn't, we shouldn't expect them to happen. Uh, we shouldn't, or they shouldn't be part of our society. You know, I mean, uh, rape shouldn't be common. It shouldn't be, you know, uh, something that happens at all. Uh, most, you know, moral people can agree with that. Uh, but I don't but I don't think you should live like rapists don't exist, because as long as rapists exist, then rapists won't exist. You know, it's going to be here as long as sin is here. Uh, and I know that's, again, you know, why like I I have to look at this from a different perspective than those who are mostly most of the people who are uh, promoting this because again if they're secular most of them don't even accept the idea of sin which is a little bit odd because they do accept the idea of wrong or people doing bad things they want to you know they'll 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 be very harsh to the rapists and everything they're they're very judgmental uh you know and and uh, want them to be you know put in prison whatever they have these ideas about morality but then if you try to press them yeah from their secular worldview they would probably tell you that sin doesn't exist uh and that you know maybe the hell doesn't exist or whatever so they're already living a pretty convoluted you know moral worldview as it is mm-hmm. uh, and it just makes it harder for me to to accept them as as some sort of authority on a subject when they're they're so confused about right and wrong already um and of course the, the problem is is it's, it's hard to get into all of that if you're it's say like you know i saw a protest of, about uh, victim blaming and you know you try to approach someone on the street it's hard to get into all that background of their worldview in in a five minute 10 minute 15 minute conversation uh you know without them thinking you're trying to change the topic or you know you, you're you're trying to uh um defend uh the the uh, the aggressor you're trying to defend the bad person uh by by making me look stupid and i say well no i haven't to do that i'm just trying to figure out where you're coming from but that that takes work to, to dig to that point, you know, with a person, uh, especially in a face to face conversation. So, yeah, uh, that's also the challenge of it. Well, and and to make it even stickier, or to make it more convoluted. So, you know, obviously, if a woman gets raped, you know, brutally beaten up or whatever by some mm-hmm. bad guy, like most people, most people are going to say, um, you know, hands down, the guy's at at fault. But then you've got the cases where you've got, you know, uh, uh you know, a woman who was catcalled. I mean, I think I've seen YouTube videos where they've, um, I think there was one I saw where it was, the whole thing was a setup on purpose. It wasn't actually real. It was, it was like an, an ad or something or a commercial or whatever. But it's got this, you know, lady who's walking uh, down a sidewalk and there's all these different guys and construction workers and people who are catcalling her. And then it's, you know, trying to make that into like, you know, she's a victim and nobody speaks out. It was something like that. 
And I'm like, okay. <laughs> There's a part of me that's kind of like, really? That's that to me. That's not victimhood. I mean, it might be annoying. Yeah. And it's not even. Yeah. You know, it's not even realistic because that doesn't happen <laughs> in, in yeah. that level, at least. You know, not on a common mm-hmm. common experience. But yeah. So so let's say you have this. Let, let's say you have. Okay. Well, let me let me actually mention this because um, I've thought about it in this way. So let's say I'm walking walking down the street or anywhere and I'm wearing a you know a Marvel superheroes t-shirt and you know so let's say I'm walking through Starbucks or, or Walmart or whatever and somebody sees my shirt and they're like oh man dude I love I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe who's your favorite superhero you know, if I looked at yeah. them and I was like you know how dare you ask me that how dare you assume you know just based on my clothing that I am you know, yeah. you in other words now that would never happen, and but but the the point I'm I'm trying to make is, or the question I'm trying to get to is, can you can you legitimately make any kind of a judgment call on a person? Can you make any judgment whatsoever about a person based on their clothing? Um, and yeah. So now to give a, a, a little opposite thing, I remember there was one time when um, I was working at Chipotle. And one of the people coming through to you know get a burrito or whatever, she was wearing a I think it was Guns and Roses or some some rock band, and uh, and so I made a I made some you know I saw it and I recognized it and I made some joke like a pun based on one of the the band songs, and she kind of looked at me like what you know like she didn't understand it and I was like oh I said sorry I said I was just making a pun on your shirt Guns and Roses, and she's like oh yeah no I this was my dad's shirt like I don't even know what this is. And I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that, yeah. that was a case where it's yeah. like, okay, you know, I, I made a judgment call. I thought, oh, she must be a fan of this band. And then I made a joke about that, and she didn't know what it was. So, so obviously, obviously it's not the case that, you know, that whatever a person chooses to wear is definitely going to co- connect with, like, in other words, the reason it's not for always, whether, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It's not always like a reflection. Like, what you wear is not always a reflection of who you are. I guess what yes. You're yeah, it's not always the case, but I think it would be absolutely foolish to say that. Well, and it might even be offensive to to some people who put a lot of effort and thought into what they, mm-hmm. you know, how they're presenting themselves. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you think about all the people with the outlandish, you know, hairstyles and piercings and tattoos yeah. and stuff. If you were mm-hmm. to just tell the person, or if you were to act as though none of that was intentional. You know that'd be absurd. Yeah. Like obviously, I mean, again, it might go the opposite direction where they they might take offense to that. Like, bro, look, of course, I've, you know, I got this tattoo. Don't you think I'm a fan of this? You know? <laughs> yeah. So I think the only defense in that situation, especially something that drastic, would be basically that you know I, I was just stoned out drunk and I didn't know what was going on. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and then I can kind of understand that they want to say that that this isn't really me. This is something that happened while I was literally you know out of it. Uh, so I can, I can see that. Yeah. But, but yeah, overall, you know, if people put all this time and effort into themselves, it, it's, it'd be hard for them to, to claim that it was, it was done thoughtlessly, you know, that, that it was just something that just happened. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, same thing with clothing. Uh, I recognize where, well, yeah, something that someone's wearing symbolically uh, can be, especially, you know, misunderstood that way. Uh, Cause you know, like, you know, I, if I shop at Goodwill or something or another, uh, uh, used clothing store, uh, I can come across a symbol on a shirt or a, uh, or something that I wouldn't, I don't know what it means. It, it just looks like it's a star to me. 
mm-hmm. but I don't realize that that's actually a reference to American Idol, you know, and, and I didn't know that. So I put on a T-shirt and everyone starts saying, hey, yeah, you know, I love American Idol, too. And I'm thinking, what are they talking about? Yeah. And until I go Google it and look up that that, you know, symbol, I say, oh, this is what I'm wearing, you know. Uh, so that that's possible, uh, especially with more, you know, um, innocent things like that. Uh, the, the difference I think that crosses when it comes to like, say, uh, what a woman wears, which is of course, one of the, one of the hottest topics of the whole conversation, you know, um, is that I think overall, and, and of course I'm not a woman, so I can't say specifically, but I know from my own experience with wearing clothing, which is of course, uh, you know, everyone does, uh, it, that, that the clothes do you, you generally do know what you're wearing. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to separate yourself from it. You know, like you can't, yeah. uh, if, if I'm, uh, not wearing a belt or if I'm wearing a t-shirt that's, that's too short, uh, and you know, say a, a just a sliver of skin and exposed, you know, on my back, I can feel the air on that. I can feel the wind on my back. And I know that, you know, even just a little bit of, of, of my skin is exposed, you know, uh, and so I realized that because of that sensation. Uh, now, if, I mean, if you could argue that you don't have any nerve, you know, nerves or any feeling in your skin, then, then sure, I could say you didn't realize that half your body is on display. Uh, but, you know, to me, I, I don't see how you can't recognize if, say, you're wearing booty shorts or something, that your entire legs are exposed. You know, like you, you can't pretend that you didn't realize that uh, because it's, you know, you're going to feel the difference. I mean, the, you feel the, 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 the wind on your thighs where you never felt it before kind of thing. So, uh, so in that way, I, I would say that just basically people, people recognize what they're wearing. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they know what it, what it is. Like you can't pretend that you didn't uh, realize. Now it is possible to not always recognize the way people are going to react to what you're wearing. Uh, but that, uh, that depends on how much you're exposed to, you know, what people do with what you're wearing. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if it's a person, uh, if it's a person that's, you know, say living on a, an isolated Island and they've grown up out there by themselves or just their family or something, and they were suddenly brought into the culture of today and they were wearing pretty scanty clothing because they were from a, an Island nation where it was very hot. Uh, and, and they, I wouldn't blame them for being shocked if people were, you know, uh, thinking less of them because they're wearing so little clothing or something, or if they, if they, if they were, you know, interpreting things, uh, that's mean that they were say, you know, sexually open or something, mm-hmm. uh, that would, I wouldn't blame them for that because they're, they're separated from the culture. But most people today, especially, uh, you know, young, young people are very connected with, with what people wear and what it does to other people. Uh, they see it on, you know, on, on display in, in TV shows and movies and their social media accounts. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, when, when you wear certain t- styles and stuff, you know, you're even told to the commercials that this is more attractive. You know I mean? The, the, the man in the ad, uh, follows the girl because of what she's wearing, you know, and, and they, they make that very open and, and overt. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not like they're trying to hide that. Uh, and that's, that's where I think, the, the the difficulty with this uh, issue is that uh, there's, to my way of thinking, that there's a lot of double standards that takes place to justify uh, this alleged victimhood, you know, problem that we have. 
where you know women are somehow mistreated or treated differently than men or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like they have a lot of double standards on it. Uh, you know, in, in the way that that we're supposed to judge them based on how we judge a guy, and yet that's their very complaint is that they're they're treated differently than a guy uh, would be. So mm-hmm. it seems like they're violating their own standard. They're their own broad standard to start. <laughs> well, and and uh, to another thing that popped in my head was, it seems like I've seen, and this might just me be me personally, but I've seen um, you know people who would maybe post on this topic specifically with you know, women and, and their clothing and modesty and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, if they post the you know abuses that have been done, it's always I shouldn't say always, but a lot of times I've seen it, it's like the thirteen or fourteen year old girl who's just entering puberty. You know, she goes to a public school or maybe it's a private school, and they have this rule that hey, if your shirt is you know it has to be this certain length, and so if not, then we're going to give you this shirt and make you take a, a photo and bring it to your parents. Yeah. So then you have like this you know thirteen, fourteen year old girl who you can tell just from the photo, she's like, you know, she's this awkward teen who's, you know, probably going through some growth spurts, doesn't really understand it. Yeah. None of her clothes are fitting her. She's outgrowing them. She's crying, yeah. and she looks confused. And so then it's like, mm-hmm. well, now you've traumatized, if you know, if we could even use that term. You know, t- to some yeah. extent, you've kind of traumatized this young teenage girl to make her now afraid of what – and so it's like, okay – because you know, I've seen people, you know, post things like that, and these are, you know, people who mm-hmm. aren't, aren't Christian – and there's a part of me yeah. that's like, yes, I, I definitely see what you're going for. But so yeah. on one level, yes, there are cases where, um, you know, uh, if you're going to say, oh, you know, she has to do this or she has to, you know, I don't know. It, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, I see your point there, but that's not every single mm-hmm. case. You know, that's not the. Yeah. So I think I think maybe what we could say at the very least is uh the biblical response, whatever it is, begins with with a good dose of discernment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, to, to to get to that uh, specifically about the, the Bible's um, take on the issue, uh, mm-hmm. I believe one example that many people have used in the Bible to uh, there were probably people if the secular world had a better understanding of the Bible, which they usually don't, but if they did, they would probably point out and say, "Yes, this is." You know uh, where pe- where some of this idea came from uh, is is right there in Genesis with uh, the story of Dinah, uh, who, if I recall, was uh, one of the I think she was one of the daughters of Jacob. If I recall Let correctly. Let me look it up, but keep going. I'm going to look it up and see. Yeah, and she uh, it said uh, the the biblical verse said something like she went out to into the land or something like that. Uh, and I know some people have interpreted that as basically that she went out by herself. Uh, and in doing so like, like that was her, her personal responsible mistake she made, you know, to travel alone. And that's why she was later raped by, uh, uh I believe her is, uh, Shesham or Shesham. Uh, and, it was also, as far as I know, the first account of rape in the Bible, uh, but it's one that people will point to uh, in that way to say, see, she if she hadn't been in that situation, this wouldn't have happened to her. Um, and I don't know, because the Bible is very brief in its descriptions of things, I don't know 
if we can really understand that much about what was going on there uh, in that way. I don't know if you can, you know, maybe she had an entourage, maybe she had a friend with her. I don't know. I mean, if it doesn't say the Bible doesn't always just because the Bible doesn't mention something doesn't mean that it's not there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There could be a whole extra context that either was understood by the original readers or was just not mentioned. Yeah. 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 And yet, I, did, uh, I did see Dinah is uh, the, the daughter of, of Jacob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so like I say, I, mean, I know that's something where people have used that, especially, you know, and uh, in, in say more conservative Christian circles to say that uh, they use that as justification to then tell women that, you know, don't go alone because basically uh, the term is, you know, you're asking for it because you're alone in, in, in a, a, a foreign land or whatever. And uh, if you get assaulted at that point, it's your fault. Um, now, bringing that kind of back around to the, to the way, then that's their claim. That's the claim by the conservative Christian you know, people. Uh, the way that I, I believe that comes across, though, to a secular person, if they hear that, they're, they're generally horrified. They say, okay, so... You just said that if a young woman is, you know, walking down the street uh, or, you know, happens to travel to a different state or goes to a different country uh, by herself, that she's just if anything bad happens to her, that you're just going to just dismiss it as well. You know, bad you. Uh, So that's like that's how they would interpret. They'd be shocked and horrified by that. Mm -hmm. But I believe two mistakes they're making is one, they're they're acting like. The people who say you are asking for it are lacking emotion. Um, now, I know that one's an error because, you know, for me, whenever I hear these kind of stories, you know, um, a tragedy is a tragedy. It always hurts me, you know, no matter who it happens to. Uh, but at the same time, for me, sometimes even when I when I would call out and say it, whether the words can hear me or not, maybe I'm just speaking to, you know, to a computer screen as I'm reading the article. But I still, if I say you know, you were asking for it, uh, or, you know, that was a stupid decision you made. Uh, sometimes people can make that, literally can, you know, make that, uh, statement in, in a state of emotional anguish. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're not saying it, you're not saying it from a self-righteous, cold, callous, you know, uh, mountaintop where you're looking down on, on this victim and saying, you, you bad person, uh, too bad for you. You know, you you can uh, basically like you can you can call someone you love stupid uh, because you mean it as in you're you're just at, it's more just you asking the why of it why why does this have to happen and why did you have to make that decision yeah. uh, and you didn't you don't mean it like like you don't you think the person's stupid or even that you hate them or you don't dislike them it's actually that you feel for them you feel really bad that it did happen but you're and you're not even really blaming them you're just saying you know, that you, that you made a mistake, um, mm-hmm. you know, where like you wouldn't, uh, you know, say, um, you know, in the case of a parent, and a child, uh, you're not, if your child goes and ingests bleach, you might sit there and think, wow, that was really stupid of them to do, but it doesn't mean that you're not so emotionally invested in the story that, you know, that this happened. You're saying, you know, why did they go and get into that, uh, and drink it? But you're not like, like you're not, um, you're not detached. Uh, and that's the first assumption I think they make of people who are, uh, who, who say that, who, who tend to, in their eyes, blame the victim. 
they're saying you don't care about the person. Uh, but I, but I know that's just not, it's, it's a, it's a factually incorrect claim that they're making that, that, um, or assumption, I should say, that, that they're making about me or other people. Uh, so that's the first problem. And then the second one is that they're equating victim blaming with, um, with basically taking all of the, the, uh, uh, responsibility off of the, uh, the, the, the aggressor, the, the, you know, the, the, um, person who committed the crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also incorrect because that's, it's a, it's too extreme. It's a, I believe what it's called a, uh, Is it um, the false dichotomy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because you're assuming that it's, all, it's one of two options. It is not, uh, yeah. it's possible to find a, a, a balance between them where you're saying, no, the, the person is still fully responsible for his actions, for everything he did that night or that day or whatever, you know, uh, in, in mistreating this person. But you have to accept part of the responsibility in, in, in how you got to from point A to point B. You know, you got to this location. Um, and sure, I think in, in, in some examples, it's, it's a more of a 100% versus 0% on the responsibility scale, you know, if you're, uh, if you're sleeping in your house, uh, as I guess there was, a um, uh, one of the, one of the examples of that would be the, um, golden, I think it was the golden state killer. If I recall correctly, um, there was a, oh, maybe that's the wrong name. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm confusing, uh, some of these famous, uh, serial killers, but there was a story recently of a man who was caught because a relative of his submitted his DNA, so they submit their DNA into like one of those one, two, three, and me, whatever uh, DNA sample things to look at their ancestry, mm-hmm. and they end up catching this guy who was a very well-known uh, uh, rapist and everything in California back like in the '70s or something like that. Okay. Uh, but anyway, his his method of operation was to break into people's houses and assault people in their beds, uh, which was, um, you know, to, to my way of thinking. There's nothing you can do to avoid that. I mean, you can you can lock your house down more if you want, or you know, put iron bars in your windows. Uh, but but I don't blame a woman for waking up for a man, you know, attacking her. That's that's not her fault. Uh, mm-hmm. She should in her house. She should be safe. She should be, you know, uh, that's you know, there, there's no there's not like a, a breakdown in anything she's done. That again, you know, like I in my example of that accident. Uh, there's nothing she could do about that. You know I mean? Yeah. Uh, the man has, has done everything he can to get to you. Uh, or even worse, you know, say she recognizes him breaking into the house. So she retreats to the attic and she puts up seven different barriers between her and him. And he breaks through them all. I mean, there's nothing she can do about that. I don't blame her at all. Uh, but that's, to my understanding, that's, that's totally different though than a situation where a woman goes out drinking with her friends purposely staying out, you know, beyond, uh, hours of, of normal, uh, partying, you know, she's out till two in the morning or something. Mm. Um, and, uh, a, a, a real life example of that would be a famous disappearance that took place near where I live, uh, on a college campus, uh, where a, a woman, um, ended up partying pretty late. Uh, she was a college student or whatever. And, ended up telling the people she was with she was going to walk home or something like that. And she was, I believe, intoxicated, and it was 2 3 in the morning, and she never made it home. Um, mm. Now, it's a, it's a terribly tragic story. I, I don't, you know, don't uh, in any way, you know, 
feel any type of remorse for, for that, for what happened and feel bad about it. Yeah, and but, th- let, me, let me pause you real quick. And that's an important but, point too because that's not – it's not like, oh, yeah, she got it. She had it coming. Like, you know, she was asking yeah. for it. It's like, no, like, this is still sad. Like, this is very sad yeah. that, that that happened to her. And, mm-hmm. again, it's one of those where it's like, if there could have been a little bit more wisdom in the decisions that led yeah. up to that point, this tragedy could have been avoided. Like, should it have yeah. occurred? You know, of course not. But it did, and there were things that could have been done, you know, easy decisions that could have been made to prevent it, and that's mm-hmm. what's sad. Yeah. So, but yeah, so yeah. keep going. And, <laughs> and sometimes it's sometimes it's a breakdown in, you know, uh with your friend or something where, you know, someone else should have recognized your intoxicated state and said, I'll take you home or whatever. Sometimes you know, you can't do anything if the person refuses your help or whatever. There there's you know, sometimes little uh, nuances to a case that, that would make it not so cut and dried. Um but the but if you if you make the decision even intoxicated to you know walk down the street or walk wherever at two or three in the morning uh it, it's it's in some ways i would say you're you're uh putting yourself at risk at least you know uh, at the mm-hmm. very least they, that that there's a potential things could go wrong um you know uh, they they had a few famous cases of uh uber drivers um murdering or assaulting women who they picked up in the middle of the night you know who were drunk and being driven home uh, you know, uh, where you're, you're putting yourself at the, at the mercy of this stranger who, you know, you just called up on a, on an app to just come pick you up and, you know, and you're at a very vulnerable position. You're, you're out of it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe passed out. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, so it, you know, I, I know that all these different scenarios are really have to be all broken down individually because you have to know all the, the circumstances to, um, to each case to be able to say exactly how much blame or how much uh, responsibility should be placed on either uh, person, the victim or the the attacker. Um, but I think there's beyond that. I think though there are certain just ground rules that people should be able to establish. Uh, mm-hmm. And be, you know, rather than because I know it's, it's so difficult to to start with from your end to try to say well you know you should always uh, you know just just i don't know say you know uh, you should always um you know wear uh um high-heeled shoes or something you know this this kind of a random idea you should always wear high-heeled shoes to, to avoid this or something uh that would um to me that wouldn't really be uh it, it's hard to, to just justify something like that because people say well there's a lot of different uh, scenarios and you know maybe that's not a a, a valid um, standard to place upon people. So yeah. rather than, than me coming from my end and trying to make a certain standard that that people can argue against, uh, the way I try to figure out if their arguments are correct is to try to apply logic to them. Because uh, that's one of my favorite uh, uh, concepts, <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, and so. Uh, so like for the first one is probably I think the most obvious uh, basically from what I understand in the victim blaming mentality they they argue that no matter what you're wearing people should not treat you differently because of that uh, that's kind of like one of their general standards mm-hmm. they like it you know that doesn't matter what you wear that doesn't make you're not you're still not asking for it is, is the term they use they say you're still not asking for it and um, I'll come now, back to that I'm going to come back to that point but 
you know, because yeah. they make that within the within the cases of like you know somebody being sexually assaulted or just you know, messed mm-hmm. with in general. But again, yeah. that that whole principle, if you if you took that out again, that could be offensive to the person who's like you know maybe they're a cosplayer and they show up to a cosplay and they're dressed up mm-hmm. as you know a, a superhero or something like that. If you mm-hmm. acted as though those people like well, but doesn't matter. I, I'm you know I don't even see what they're dressed up as. It's just everybody. Yeah. It's like well, bro, I literally put you know five months of of hard work and I have a whole YouTube mm-hmm. channel dedicated to it. You know how dare yeah. you not like I would? Well, they wouldn't say mm-hmm. how dare you, but it's kind of like come on, don't you want to at least come up and give me a fist bump for my hard work? You know. Yeah. But again, yeah. that's not well, that, and, that's different, but it's the same basic principle. It's like. So anyway, sorry. Go go back to what yeah. you were saying. Well, it, uh, like it, my my first question is, uh, you know, is this is this something we see culturally across the board that like that what you wear doesn't matter basically? Um, mm-hmm. And I know that 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 obviously isn't true. That's their that that premise is already false because in certain situations, it is one hundred percent matters what you wear. Uh, yeah. If you go to a job interview, uh, they do take into uh, effect what you wear. Uh, and you know, I've worked in different secular organizations. Uh, they also have their own secular, um, uh, clothing standards. They still mm-hmm. tell people you can't, you know, wear, wear leggings or certain types of shorts or, you know, certain types of tops, uh, to this job because you represent this company and we don't accept this kind of clothing. Uh, now I know there's people who disagree with all that kind of stuff, uh, and you can probably find someone out there who quit the job because of those standards, and that's their freedom too. Uh, but it but it says though that that like clothing still does matter. There's that's that's the first basic thing that we have to establish that clothing does matter. What you wear does have an effect on other people. Yes, uh, and, and, and everybody it, recognizes that, even if they don't state yeah. that they do. Like everybody, yeah, they subconsciously recognize that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, uh, you know, I mean, you're, if you're asked to go to a black tie party, you, d- you don't come in a, in a casual polo. You know, I mean, you, you don't do that. You know that it's this, uh, unless you don't care about the rules, you know, and don't care about other people. But even then, that's, that's what we do to them. That's what they interpret. They say you don't care. Exactly. We, I was about to say, even that wear, would be a statement. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and so that's why, like I say, I don't, I don't think there's any way to, to separate clothing uh, out like that and pretend that it's a neutral thing. Um, mm-hmm. and that there's, you know, there's nothing that you can do about it. Yeah. You know, and we already talked about some examples of where I can give people grace. Um, uh, and, and I guess I should throw in, you know, I mean, I always, I always give people grace, uh, and, and that, or at least I try to, uh, and that, you know, I understand if they don't recognize things, they don't realize, uh, they don't know the, 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 the cultural norms or whatever. Uh, I, I don't try to like I don't put a a unreasonable line in the sand that uh, that I expect people to live up to, uh, especially if it's just come, if it's stemming from me. You know, it's, it's my understandings of the world. I don't expect everyone else to have the same cultural understandings I do, and mm-hmm. I don't expect to have the same cultural understandings that everyone else does. So, uh, you know, I know if I'm if I was to go to some you know wealthy person's house um, uh, that. I might not know exactly the norms or what to do. Uh, and I guess just a quick example of that would be when I was young and part of it, I can just chalk up to being young. Uh, but years ago I went to my, uh, visit my grandmother in California and she was living at this very, uh, well to do, uh, assisted living home. Mm. And 
uh, we had lunch with her. And I, I was very unfamiliar with, with more formal settings. And I was only, I think I had just turned 13 at the time. So uh, I sat down to the meal and we were served. And, you know, obviously I'm used to that because we had, you know, there was waiters and everything with it, with, with it. And, and we had to, you know, just at this, uh, this, uh, it's just living home. I, I'm just kind of imagining it as, you know, you sit down and get your own food or whatever. But uh, we also sit down straight out there and, and they came out and they offered uh, us soup. And, you know, I was just thinking, well, if, if that's what you have, I, I prefer not to eat soup right now. So I refused it. And a couple of my other siblings did, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, fortunately for me, they, they didn't hear me correctly and they brought it out anyway. Uh, but my two siblings didn't, eat, didn't have it. And it took us a moment to realize that that was the first course of the meal. So you could refuse it if you wanted, but it's a little bit awkward because that was what they were serving for lunch. And so, you know, so we thinking we're just we were just refusing, uh, you know, something that was like a side dish. It was really it was it was the first course. <laughs> so they had to sit there. They had to sit there awkwardly while everyone else was eating because they had refused it, <laughs> and, you know, because we didn't understand the concept of what we were doing. You know, that it was a, a, a course meal that came one dish at a time, you know, so. We were just thinking they were going to put out food and you would, you would just, you know, eat from a, a, a common dish or something, you know. Uh, so, so in that way, like I, you know, if someone looking at that would say I was, I was, uh, you know, foolish or I, I was, you know, in some way responsible for that. And I would say that's not fair because I didn't know what was going on. I was, I wasn't made aware of there was things that was, there was information I was missing, you know, kind of things. So, so like, I mean, there's, there's plenty of space for people making errors and, and i and i always try to throw that in there i'm not i'm not even you know trying to just blame women or or be upset at uh at people um uh, or try to say it's their fault you know i mean i still feel very bad for all the things that happen all the crimes and, and ways people are hurt and mistreated it, it all it all bothers me um but uh but i can't still though abandon reason uh in uh in exchange for just e- like emotional um, satisfaction. I, I can't do that. I have to still remain true to reason, facts, and logic. And mm-hmm. uh, they have to still be put into the situation. I can't, I can't take them out. Uh, if I just lived with emotions, then yes, I would always you know, decide with the person who's hurt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's whoever's crying is, the most tears you know. wins. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, that's always where my heart is. Or my head, though, is always with the facts and the logic of, of the case. Um, so it's you know it's a challenge to to balance those two, but it's, I believe it's completely necessary uh, to avoid, say, you know, re- re- repeating whatever has happened in the future. You have to uh, take note of it, um, and I guess that's one of the other points I would I would raise in the story is. Uh, if we're going to say that, you know, supposedly clothing doesn't matter and blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you establish that and say clothing doesn't matter, and even though I've already said I disagree with it, uh, you would have to then at least say that even if you don't believe that wearing a, you know, dress or whatever, wearing a, a T-shirt, a uh, certain article of clothing, even if you want to say that that doesn't have any effect on people or, or it shouldn't uh, for that uh, matter, uh, you should still look at historical 
cases though and say, well, let's see, in the past, you know, people wore this or they did that or they went to this place or whatever. We have this precedent that says that doing this caught, you know, doing this uh, potentially brought about this other situation uh, where you would, you'd have to at least accept that, I would think, that, uh, that you know, something that happened could have led to it. You know, if you want to say that, that there, there, it shouldn't, um, it doesn't mean that something couldn't happen, even though it's, uh, I'm going to say like, they sh- even though it's not supposed to, um, that, you know, basically like, uh, it's hard to come up with any other, other examples because out of the context of, you know, say, uh, sexual assault, it seems like in most other, other areas, their reasoning completely falls apart. Uh, where if you, you know, if you, if you said that, that, uh, sharp objects don't matter, that they don't have any effect on me, if that was your standard, you know, sharp objects don't have any effect on me. And then that's the same thing as your own clothing. It doesn't matter if, if that was your standard, uh, you'd have to at least look at the past and say, well, but, but some sharp objects, you know, you poke it into you or you rub it across your skin and it does have an effect on you. Something's going to happen. It's happened to other people. So you can say that it doesn't, but we have these historical examples of things where it did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can say that, you know, the knife won't cut me, but if you put it across your skin, it's going to cut you. Like that's going to happen whether you believe it or not. Uh, and I know people don't want to accept that because we, we like to think that just what we believe alters you know, reality, but it really doesn't. You know I mean? There's some things that just transcend our personal thoughts <laughs> that are just, they're, they're bound to happen. So like I say, it seems like if you bring it up to anything else, fire, you know, something else that can harm you, that it, the reasoning is absurd. Yeah. But we accept it when it comes to clothing or the way we, uh, other people are behaving around us. Uh, and that's, that's where I, again, like I say, it's the logic. It doesn't seem to follow through. It doesn't, if it, cause if it's absolutely true, you would think it would just be true all the time in all scenarios and all situations around the world, you know? Mm. Uh, but I don't, I don't really see that. So, um, well, and you know, that's, again, it's, it's, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say again, that that's a lot of stuff that's hard to get into though. If you're having a five minute conversation with someone, uh, you know, on the street corner or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so I, what I was going to mention is I think that a lot of this is also, connected to let's say the undercurrent of just postmodernist thinking so postmodernism for those who are unaware of it was basically it's a whole um you know philosophical structure of of you know or, or ideology you could even call it that of of basically saying uh, there is no such thing as as truth in the in the oh, in the absolute sense and so you're you're stuck with an, an infinite amount of interpretations of any given thing. Um, yeah. And so, you know, which is just a, I mean, I've never done a, an in-depth study of postmodernism per se, but it's almost just a, hey, it could be, it could be reduced down to a level of, if I want it to be this way, it's going to be that way. <laughs> like that's what it ends up yeah. becoming. And so yeah. now there is a sense in which it's like, okay, you know, there was a point in, in you know, let's say 100 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, where you had uh, in the United States, let's just make it a little bit easier, you have a, a cultural 
uniformity of of um, adherence to certain, let's say, clo- just for the sake of, of simplifying it, clothing standards where, okay, this is the type of clothes you wear when you go to work. These are the clothes that you wear when you go here. These are the clothes you wear when you're at home. You're this, that, or the other. Where yeah. You kind of had just a uniformity of agreement. And in, in certain cases, it was just because of, you know, practicality. And, you know, everybody knows the rules. You know, here are the rules of the game at a societal level. We all know what the rules mean. Um, and so another little uh, note on this. I remember at one point uh, just thinking on the whole um, the whole debate, which is not so much of a big deal nowadays, but the whole idea of you know, women wearing pants and you know, mm-hmm. that whole controversy and stuff, which, again, yeah. that pops up here and there. And maybe if you're like in a you – know, amongst you know, a church group that's um, – you know, most of the people are in their 80s or something like that. But even now, that's starting to kind of die yeah. away. But I remember thinking, yeah. I was like, okay, you know, let me let me go ahead and give the you know the elderly people the benefit of the doubt here. I was like, what are they what are they reacting to? You know, is there any legitimate grounds for their frustration? And I remember thinking, and and I thought of this before I actually uh, came across the data. But I remember thinking, um, you know what. Could it have been the case that at some point in their lifetime, you know, when they were younger, that people started, you know, women started wearing pants, not because they wanted to wear pants, but because they were trying to make some kind of a statement, you know, like they're taking mm-hmm. on masculinity. And sure enough, you know, so th- that was just a, a proposition I had in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I came across, um, oh, I forget, I forget when it was or whatever, but there was some big Hollywood actress that was, um, I think, you know, standing or being a voice for feminism or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so she deliberately wore pants in some kind of an interview or something, and that caused a big stir. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you know, the, the the Christian churches and groups like that, that all became a big, hey, you know, women shouldn't wear pants. It's like, well, yeah. th- that, that, was, that was more than just a modesty standard of, you know, trying to keep yourself mm-hmm. covered and, and whatever. It was explicitly a statement of, you know, there's no, you know, I can be a man, you know, there's no difference or, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much more culturally to that. Now to, to extend that a little further, like when it comes to things that have nothing to do with, uh, you know, victim blaming or, or, um, or clothing or whatever, I remember doing a similar thought, uh, experiment with the idea of like, you know, punk rock music or just rock music in general, because, you know, there were mm-hmm. some, or, or even simpler, like the electric guitar, like, is there anything you know, why is it that you know certain uh, you know uh, age groups and and maybe culture or societal you know, parts of society look at that mm-hmm. as a, as a bad thing like oh that's of the devil or you know whatever the term they might yeah. use and I started thinking I was like you know I think I'm part of it is because of the fact that I was born you know in the 90s and so I don't have all of the history of you know these mm-hmm. these various genres of music coming into being with the express purpose at the beginning of it of rebelling against whatever the categories or genres of music. So you, you, you've got classical yeah. music with all this order, and then you have this grungy electric guitar that's you know distorted or whatever, mm-hmm. which is, is trying to convey this you know, rebellious thing to it. It's like, okay, if that's, your, you know, if that's the, the idea that is associated with it, and especially if that's the birth of that, 
you know, I, yeah. I could see it as being the case where it's like, you know, the the, el- the older generations are looking at like, man, these kids and I can't stand their music. And it's because all they hear is rebellion, rebellion. Whereas, you know, yeah. someone who's born into it with like all these different music genres, they're like, ooh, this kind of sounds neat to me, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So you kind of end yeah. up with all of that. Um, but, but bringing it back to, um, you know, with the, with the clothing styles and things like that, I just remember thinking it was interesting that, um, you know, that there was something more in terms of it's, it's more of a statement that somebody's trying to make mm-hmm. in some cases. And then that provokes a whole, you know, uh, a whole reaction to that. And yeah, one other thing that was popping in my head and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm starting to kind of lose track of, uh, of what your last point was, but, but I'll, I'll turn it back over to you here in just a second. But one of the things was, um, Oh, let's see. So with regard to the, with regard to the clothing, Oh man, I just lost it. <laughs> what was the what was the point that you had ended on before I I jumped in? Talking about uh, that uh, whether you whether you uh, believe something is uh, is a certain way, like it it goes beyond your thoughts. I was that, saying that um, that's right, that's right, because that's when I jumped into the postmodernism idea. So mm-hmm. okay, what I was going to say yeah. was. I think it's interesting that a lot of the people who would make claims of, look, you know, your clothing doesn't matter, doesn't have any effect or whatever, at the very same time yeah. will will be, you know, staunch defenders of, look, I, I, this is in, you know, individualism. I should be able to, you know, define myself yeah. by my own terms and my clothing. And, and some of these people might mm-hmm. even be very, very intentional in the type of clothes that they're putting, you know, putting yeah. on their bodies. and yeah. And they're they're intending to imbue themselves with meaning, you know, whether it's the color yeah. of clothes or or the style or whatever. So at, at one point they're saying clothing doesn't matter, and then with their lifestyle they're saying clothing means a, you know matters a ton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you kind of have and, this and like, like say that's bipolar you know, aspect mm-hmm. to it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why you know even though. When I first hear about you know these types of things, some some new concept that is thrust upon the world, you know, uh, if I was to first just hear about victim blaming, uh, if you know if I was devoid of all knowledge of it, I might at first just be sympathetic, but uh, emotionally, like I said before, but when I start to look at things logically, I want it to make sense. You know, I, I can't just embrace an idea just because it emotionally appeals. I it has to make logical, reasonable sense. And so when I see so many double standards, um, yeah, I, I have to I have to start to question if the thing is valid at all because I say we're you know it, it's if we're gonna make claims, especially against say me as a guy, uh, which is you know partly what this is, is that it's uh, it's it's a movement in trying to har- saddle men with a lot of of blame. They're they're saying you know take it all off the victim it all on the man you know because he's usually the aggressor in a, in a sexual assault case um mm-hmm. very rare to have you know female rapist or something uh, so uh as a guy you know i i, I don't i don't want to automatically just dismiss things and say well no there's no way i could be in any way wrong because i try to be introspective and, and say okay so maybe there's something i'm doing wrong but when i start to look at it and realize that maybe uh, by appearances with these double standards that that I'm being held to an unfair, you know, standard, then I, I have to say, well, there's something wrong. You know, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so, uh, 
like you were saying about clothing and stuff, uh, I understand, you know, the historical context of, of things that in the past we lived in a society, like you were saying, that was more structured, mostly because, of course, we, we were more moral, uh, or at least we, we believed in morals, maybe more. But it doesn't mean we were, we were more moral, but people believed in morals. They believed in yeah. answering to God. They believed in, in a, a, a moral structure in the, in the universe. Uh, and if you didn't believe in it, you just you uh you knew that 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 most of society did you know that mm-hmm. that uh that you had to either go along with it or not be a nonconformist but you uh because that was there society had more structure like you're saying so you know uh right down to literally basically like you know the uh the term the other side of the tracks was uh something to do with you know uh where the railroad would run through your town and people who lived on one side of the tracks were usually the general like the riffraff, the the bad people, uh, and on the other side, the, the good people, with the you know better part of society, uh, they didn't even associate, you know. So if you had prostitution in town, it took place on the other side of the tracks, and mm-hmm. uh, the poor people, you know, the, the ones who were more uh, by society standards prone to crime or whatever, they lived on the other side of the tracks, and that was even something that people would say, you know, that that person came from the wrong side of the town or and stuff like that. It was all very yeah. common uh, vernacular, you know, <laughs> that people used. Uh, so uh, things were very, very cut and drawn back then. You know, uh, 120 years ago, a a a proper woman, you know, wore a lot of clothing, uh, pretty much, you know, covering her body except for her face, hands. Uh, well, face and hands, really. I mean, you know, even your ankles, because they're kind of scandalous to display. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, of course, that's a that's a point of derision today, uh, which. You know, I, I don't. I think it's mostly just uh, uh, ignorant laughter because people don't know the context of you know how things were back then. Well, and, and just as a but, quick note on there, like I, I remember uh, hearing a professor at college, uh, an English professor, where he was talking about. He mentioned that he goes, "We laugh at that nowadays." He goes, "But if you look at you know old Hollywood movies, which I remember seeing, yeah. I think I remember seeing one. Uh, it was a war film. Oh, I think it was called." like Von Ryan's Express. It was something like that. Mm-hmm. But regardless, um, there was a there was a scene in it, and I know there were other scenes in other films that were similar to it, but it has um, you know some female who I think was you know she wasn't uh, she was a foreigner or whatever and so they somehow mm-hmm. the you know, the the men that are the American soldiers or whatever come in contact with her and they're trying to figure out what to do with her cuz you know she was just kind of mixed up in all of it. But she's not on the mm-hmm. on the on the American side and so Anyway, there's a point where like she's putting on some some um, what is it hosiery or stockings or something like that. So she's kind of mm-hmm. just you know so she's wearing a dress you know um, or at least one that goes yeah. down to her knees. But she's kind of sitting there and she's looking at the main character and kind of putting on the you know the little stockings or whatever. And it's yeah. it's definitely presented in a way as if she's trying to kind of seduce him and be like, hey, let me mm-hmm. mess with him so she can try and escape or whatever. And of course, the main character—he's, yeah. you know, she's kind of like, you know, do you want, you, know, you want to hang out or something like that? I forget how she worded it, but he's kind of like, uh-huh. nope, I'm not interested. You know, so he's the tough guy, right, who can't be swayed. And so it's like, okay, well, what was that? You know, no, I mean, we might watch it and think, oh, that's kind of funny or whatever, but it's definitely clear what they're trying to convey. In other words, yeah. her messing with this, you know, hosiery, this very, very clearly defined feminine. 
uh, clothing, which was supposed to have some kind of a seductive thing attached to it. Like, that's very clear. And if it wasn't clear, yeah. then that means that the director didn't know what he was doing and didn't do a good job yeah. of conveying it. So it's like Hollywood mm-hmm. definitely, I mean, even nowadays, it's like, okay, if clothing doesn't have anything, if if a woman's clothing specifically doesn't convey anything and can't convey, you know, especially can't convey anything seductive or sexual or sensual or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then what do you do with Hollywood films? Like, why are, why yeah. are you know, uh, female characters dressed in skimpy clothing? And, you know, why mm-hmm. do they move in a certain way or conduct themselves in this way? If none of that yeah. means anything, then why does Hollywood do mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's actually, it, it, it's been a, uh, a topic I've wanted to write about for a few years. I, I wrote something I kind of hastily few years ago about the just the topic of modesty and, and I, I don't really want to say too much about it here because I would like would like to write it out and maybe you can read it sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have some thoughts and that's kind of part of it part part of my uh, my presentation would be that that aspect that that yes, I mean if if nothing really matters, uh, at one point I'm I'm planning on making in the in the blog post is uh, you know, basically, uh, if if clothing doesn't matter, then prostitutes should be able to dress as nuns and still attract just as many customers. There should be literally <laughs> no difference. You know, that's a very uh, good because, way of putting it too. You know, the juxtaposition. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I mean, there's if you want to say that uh, that there's nothing seductive about your clothing, then nothing nothing you wear matters. You know, it, like you're saying. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, back to what I was saying about the historical context. You know, I mean, proper women wore clothing. If you were, you know, were a prostitute or a, a lower life woman, uh, as they would be considered, you know, a, a, um, a scarlet woman, or they had a lot of different terms, uh, you know, you wore less. You, you generally, uh, the women in whorehouses, you know, dressed in basically underclothing. Mm-hmm. And today it might be considered, today it might be pretty modest. You know, they might be still wearing a lot of clothing, but at the time it was, it was your underwear, you know, and that's what they were wearing. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was, it was a way because they were, they were, uh, they were conveying the message that I'm open, you know, I'm available, uh, you know, in that way. Uh, and so people knew that they said, this is, you know, this is how she dresses. This is how a proper woman dresses. Um, and if I could rabbit trails for a minute about your point there on, uh, talking about, uh, uh, when we were talking about, uh, ankles and, mm-hmm. and all that, uh, just something, you know, that, that I've pondered about that, uh, is that, um, like, like your example of the movie there, it wasn't like her legs were sexual. It wasn't like there's was anything sexual about her legs mm-hmm. uh, or even her lower legs as she was like, she was wearing a knee length skirt. Uh, it was just that that's what she was exposing. That's what she was using. That was the part of her body she was using because she knew it was, it was the parts that was exposed. And for the 1940s, that was kind of scandalous because men didn't, you know, see that much of a, a woman's leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember if I, 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 I I know the thought is not my own, uh, but I cannot remember where I I heard it. Um, and it, it's basically that men men being you know first of all we're, we're broadly we're visually uh, oriented. Mm-hmm. I know some people disagree with that, but and second we're also let me mention just uh, real we're quick. Also very that go ahead. on that visual thing. Just as a quick thing. That goes beyond just with regard to sexuality. I mean, why do you guys yeah. play video games and, and then like explosions yeah. and things? Like, we're very visual. So uh-huh. that's evidence. There's evidence yeah. across board for that. Okay, so that was your first yeah. one. We're very visual. Uh, keep going. Broadly, we are. 
but then also we are, we're very, um, we, we love to be teased and, uh, and, and curiosity. We're very, we're, we're like cats. We're very curious. Mm -hmm. So those two things, I think coming together too, uh, where, um, say when it comes to clothing, uh, I believe that a woman, in my opinion, uh, and, and I could be wrong because I haven't done it, say, a, you know, a survey of men, but I, you know, I mean, the, the, uh, that, that a woman who wears, who's, who's basically like 95% exposed is considered sexier than a woman who is nude. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, it's the tantalizing idea of, of, you know, what, what's left. Yeah. Uh, because you know, that like that, the men are like, we, we enjoyed that, that wonderment, you know, that, that, uh, there's less, there's less curiosity if, if the woman is fully exposed because you see everything and you're not, you know, now you kind of be like, Oh, okay. You know, that's, that's what it is. But like, if, so like if a woman walks down the street naked, she's attracting men. Yes. Because they see her, but once they've seen her, they've seen her, you know, like, like there's nothing more to see. Uh, and, whereas if she's just wearing, you know, the skimpiest, tiniest, you know, bathing suit possible, uh, that guys are, are they, they, they want us, they want the rest, you know, they're like, I want, you know, all the, I want to see what's, what's missing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so if you take, if you backtrack on that thinking, if that's true, if I, my thought there is true, then, then you go back to the other direction and the more a woman puts on, uh, then the, what is left, what, what is left is that exposed becomes the thing that the guy is like first drawn to, uh, you know, because all this covered up is, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really see, doesn't really see anything of it. Uh, and, and that's of course, I guess, assuming that what the woman is wearing is not very form fitting, mm -hmm. uh, because if it's form fitting, then you're getting an a general idea of what she looks like without the clothing. But, you know, if you go back to 120 years ago, women didn't wear as much form fitting clothing, um, that well, it's not the way we wear it today. Uh, you know, it might have been kind of tied around her waist or something. Uh, but, but, you know, where it allegedly by men, by male standards where it counts, <laughs> uh, it really wasn't that, that tight usually. Uh, mm. so if a woman, if men such as a woman wearing a, a fancy, you know, Victorian, uh, outfit going to town, um, uh, and she's all covered up, uh, with only like her, her facial skin exposed. Uh, if she lifts her skirt and exposes her ankle, it's something he didn't see before. And that's the first thing he sees. And it's not like her ankle is sexual. It's not like there's anything that, that, you know, in that way makes him, uh, turns him on. It's just that that's, that's what, that's the only thing that he's allowed to see. And so that's, that's where he's immediately first drawn to. Whereas, you know, he would be, he would be fine with seeing more, but because that's all that is culturally acceptable. And even that was only because she was stepping into her carriage or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so he, he sees that and he's just very curious and he wants to see more, uh, just, you know, in his, in his flesh. And so, uh, because of that, that's why the ankle is so quote scandalous because it was something that is not normally exposed. Uh, and that that's really all that, that, that whole scenario is. It's not, it's not actually, because I think today people look at that and say, wow, men were so weak back then that if they saw a woman's ankle, like they, you know, that they basically yeah. <laughs> were just, you know, seduced. That was all it took, you know, now he's going to go to bed with it. I'm like, no, that like, that's not how it was at all. It wasn't like he couldn't, you know, control himself if he saw a woman's ankle. It was just that that was the first thing he saw. 
that was that was you know if she wanted to seduce them that was how she could do it and get away with it in, in the culture of that time because people you know would say wow that's kind of you know scandalous because you because you're dressed up and you know now you're showing part of yourself yes but See, it, it was just that was where it was you know that's where the standard was at that time and and i remember i actually remember explaining that and i think i used the uh, the example of of uh you know women's ankles being exposed um i use that example when i was talking with my my youngest sister when i, th- I think she was 15 at the time and she was kind of like yeah that's kind of weird you know i think we were talking about like little house on the prairie or something like that and i said i goes well you know it goes beyond that because and i had made the i think i had made the point uh more uh more obvious at least in her mind where she she thankfully you know saw what i was saying i was just like look you know, you could have it be anything. Let's say you had, you know, um, you know, a couple that was, uh, you know, dating or courting or whatever, um, and you know, the the woman had, or let's say that the two of them had their own, you know, signals where they, you know, um, uh, had agreed upon, like, you know, if she if she winks at him with her left eye or something like that, then basically what she's saying is, I want you, you know, sexually in this sense or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean. That could be a turn on. It's like, well, is there again? Is there something? It, in other words, it's not the. It's not so much the the physical action that's being done or the, yeah. the part of the body that's exposed. Again, there, there's a little bit of a some truth to that because you know not all body parts are equal in that sense. They're yeah. not equally sexual, yeah. obviously. Like obviously, we know mm-hmm. that. But um, but there is a sense in where it's like symbolically, you know. There could be different signals, and whether it's a, a culturally understood thing or just on a personal level, um, you know. And I, the way I said it to my sisters, it's like if there was a girl um, and everybody in the culture covered their their ankles, um, you know. And I, I think I even put it in, in uh, used myself as as the example as the recipient. I was like, look, if there's a girl that was really attractive, you know, or an adult female in this case, and she looked at me. And then she, you know, made sure I was looking at her, and then she kind of lifted her skirt up just so I could see her ankle. It's like, well, the, the ankle does nothing mm-hmm. for me, but the action, like the the meaning she's conveying, yeah. it's like, ooh, that's a turn on. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because she's basically yeah. saying, I want you, and I'm willing to give myself to you. And so, you know, so yeah. there's a whole meaning that's 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 you know given in that case. But you well, know, that would teasing, be, you know, yes, it would be a tease. But yeah. it, you know, in the same case, like if she's not looking at me and she reaches down and scratches her ankle, and so I get a glimpse mm-hmm. of it, you know, that's that'll be a different reaction. Now I might still, because yeah. of the cultural interplay there, that might still be mm-hmm. like, ooh, you know, I've, I've kind of in in one sense been culturally, um, I don't want, what's what's a word for it. It, I've been culturally trained in in some sense uh-huh. to interpret that as as you know like a, a sexual meaning to it maybe, but but it would be absurd if I if I held her, um, if I if I took both of those and said oh there's no difference between them one she did it intentionally yeah. the other one you know I happened to look over when she was itching her ankle yeah. like <laughs> mm-hmm. so well and on that point I I can't understand in that. A specific point, like you just made there, uh, that's where I can't understand the the secular argument that they would make, and uh, in, in saying that you know, in that in that case, say that you know, say in both cases, say that that you know, uh, you know, when, when the girl lifted her skirt, you end up uh, because of that, you know, that that transpires and leads leads on 
to eventually you winding up in bed with her. You say, okay, uh, you know, that's what happened. But then if, if you were to say that when she scratched her ankle, that transpired and the man saw it and then he followed her down an alley and he raped her. Uh, <laughs> if the culture said that, you know, if, if people in the town said, well, you know, if she hadn't lifted her ankle or her skirt and scratched her ankle, then it, this wouldn't have happened. I would say that's a terribly unfair, you know, yeah. thing to say to her. <laughs> uh, to, to blame her that way, say, you bad woman, you're, you're, you're loose and, and scandalous because you, you tempted this poor man into doing this. Now, and, and if that is how it works, I 100% agree with them and say, yes, that's a horrible, that's a horrible violation of justice. That's not, that's not correct at all. You know, mm. she didn't, she didn't even notice the guy had noticed, you know, she wasn't trying to attract him. It was something that was involuntary. She had to scratch herself. I and mean, there's so many justifications, you know. Yeah, for, she was trying to be discreet fair. about it. You know, you could throw yeah, that in there you know? too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so in that specific area, I can say, yes, I agree that the two actions are different. You know, she, one was her attempting to seduce a man or, or at least, you know, attract him. She was trying to do something. She fluttered her wings, so to speak. Uh, whereas the other one was like totally, she was oblivious. She didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't call them the same thing. And, and I know there is some historical precedent for that, that has that type of attitude has, you know, uh, entered some people's minds. And that is how some people have treated women sometimes when that kind of stuff happened, when they tried to look for an explanation for it. Uh, and I guess just, just as a quick side note on that, uh, I just read a book recently about a, um, a very little known historical uh, serial killer that uh, roamed the country about a hundred and 110 years ago, something like that. Uh, and his method of operation was to break into people's homes in the middle of the night and using the blunt side of an axe, he would bludgeon them to death in their beds, uh, whole families, you know, at, at a time. Oh, wow. Uh, it's a really, really fascinating book. And it's very, a very little known story. Even the way that the authors came up with it uh, is, is bizarre because they didn't, they started not even knowing what they were looking for. Uh, they didn't say, well, you know, here's James Smith. This guy was a known you know, serial killer. And now we're trying to investigate and, and research him. They said, we don't even know if there was a serial killer. Let's see if we can find one. And doing all their research, they, they found this guy kind of almost like basically hidden between the pages of history. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I, I could actually <laughs> spend an hour talking to you just about the book. So it was really, really fascinating. But what, but the point I want to draw from it was the the authors raised something I had never thought about, uh, and they said that when when something like, like that, a very irrational act takes place, and you wake up one morning and you come over to your neighbor's house, and and actually in the book they said that a number of times the reason why people discovered that the family was dead because this guy was so smooth was that they didn't like see any signs of violence, they would see the house all locked up, the window shades all drawn. And they wouldn't recognize anything was wrong until, say, they, because almost everyone back then had animals, until the animals started to balk. You would realize that the cows weren't being fed. So they'd say something's wrong with the neighbors because, you know, the chores are untended. And they'd go there and find the family just all dead in the house, in their beds. Uh, so anyway, uh, when you come across something like that, that's, that's considered an irrational thing. Like, like there's no sense to this, what, what happened. Uh, that the point they made in the book was he said that a lot of people, you know, just people in general, we, we want to come up with an explanation for the irrational. We want to somehow explain why things like that happen. And if you won't mm-hmm. accept 
just the basic, you know, premise that people are sinful, then, then we're already off track because you have to, you have to start with that. And then second, uh, something I think, you know, in fairness to the people back then, uh, they didn't understand that we, we do today. We, we use a very, you know, uh, we use it very commonly because it's something that we've, we've learned, uh, where, you know, psychology has taught us that some people are psychopaths and that they, they just don't feel, they don't care, you know, that they're, they're completely conscious, and heartless and they can commit horrific things. And that is the explanation. Like it's not the total explanation because you still have to add sin to that, but that's a huge amount of the explanation for why someone did something that you would say, I would never do that. And you say, well, that's because you're not a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, As if there's simply, no you know? path to becoming a psychopath, which would be a path, yeah. you know, moral path of sin and things like that. So, let, yeah. Let me pause real quick. I'm going to go and refill my water and then uh, I'll, be, right. I'll be right back. I'll keep you on the line, but I'm going to stop the recording for just a sec. Okay. Okay. So one second and then we'll uh, hold that thought. <laughs> 